Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, June 15th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, beantownathletics.com. Today's show presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, what's great about SeatGeek is the price you see is the price you get. Most sites will try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. So make sure you download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using my own personal promo code. Uh. It's my last name, Picard. That's right. I have my own promo code, Picard. What you can do on the SeatGeek app as well is set an alert, and SeatGeek will let you know when ticket prices fall. So they'll be keeping you updated to get the best deal possible. Even better, every ticket is given a grade, and you can use their detailed map to see the exact view from your seat. SeatGeek, always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert, and it should be the first place you go as well. SeatGeek. And joining me here today in the Beantown Athletics studio is the one and only Lou Merloni. I love this studio. What's happened, Lou? You know, when you do that promo code, you should spell out Picard for your listeners <laughs> because they might throw a couple A's in there. P-I-C-A-R-D. That's a lot better. They're going to be going, Picard. Why you know Picard what? doesn't work? I, found, I, I find myself sometimes when I have to spell my name yeah. to someone, whether it's over the phone, uh, whatever it may be. Yeah. I, I spell it P-I-C-A-R-D, and they're like, and they throw an I in there. AI. They think I'm saying AID. Well, of course. And it just gets like confusing. So I'm like, surprise is not send to God, <laughs> right? And they just yeah. throw a couple A's. Oh man. So that's this. That's SeatGeek. And people, I just got to remind them. I forgot one thing. The Red Sox 10 game homestand. This is literally the best place to get your tickets. SeatGeek again, twenty dollars off using the promo code Picard. But Lou, yeah, this is your second time in this studio. I, this is big. I and know. It, I apologize if it's too hot in here. No, I actually, no, I got this thing right now blowing on me. <laughs> That's right. It's kind of nipples kind of hot right it's now. It's actually not coming anywhere near me. <laughs> That's what we do. We put the AC pointed towards the guest, yeah. and I just I'm over here sweating my balls off in the corner. But uh, how's everything going? Everything is good. Yeah. Big big homestand. Mm-hmm. It's nice, you know. Like last night, I think Mutt was telling me that last two years at this point they're like six or eight games back uh, already. So basically, the last two years, I, hell, I want playoff baseball. I mean, I want meaningful games in September. But really, after hearing that, I was shocked. I thought it was more of like a July thing, but damn, it's nice to actually have a game that means something in June. Yeah. You set the bar kind of low though. Uh, well, look, last night. David Price, mm. let, let me let me get your take on on David Price's season because I've listened to you. I listen to you all the time, ten to two on WEI, and uh, I think me and you are in agreement on this. Like David Price has certainly turned the corner since that Houston game on that Thursday night. No doubt, they fixed whatever they needed to fix with Dustin Pedroia in the video room, and uh, Price the velocity increased. He's been on a stretch where he's been very good. But I'm waiting for him to come out and razzle and dazzle. Mm-hmm. And le- last night was a very good start. Mm-hmm. But you let up two bombs, and I think the way he let up the second one, which was just that cut fastball that was just meatball city over the plate, we see that sometimes with lefties, right. especially maybe late in the game when they get fatigued. We need, we're not looking for that. Like, like you need to get me through that game without giving me that, that one last meatball. So there still is something I'm waiting for from David uh, Price. Listen, I, I agree. I think early on in the year I thought he was bad. You know, and you're just like, I need more. And then, as you said, when they fixed it, there was that five-game stretch where he went 3-1 and one with a 2-6-2 before San Fran. Yeah. And I wasn't blown away. 
He was grinding. It was like, you know, it was, in other words, for five starts, he looked like a, they went to that San Fran game. And I was thinking, you know, if Bumgarner goes out and does what, what Price has done the last five starts, and everybody wants to go nuts over the 2-6-2 ARA, we would say, you know, Bumgarner got through it without his best stuff. He wasn't sharp tonight, but he still was effective. And because of his, you know, experience, he got through a game. That's what Price was for five. San Fran was different. Even though it was a bad lineup, but it was different. I thought last year was uh, last night rather was another level. Now, mm. I think he's so he's heading in the right direction. Obviously, in the future, I want to see him win a pitcher's duel, you know. But when I'm thinking long term, I feel a lot better about David Price right now than I did three starts ago, yeah, four starts ago, five starts ago. And I think you know, moving forward, do I want to see him win those games? Yeah. But I thought he looked pretty good last night. What did you think of the whole Dustin Pedroia video thing? I mean, I mean, because the way I. I criticized, actually, Farrell and, and the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, it's good that somebody fixed it. But Dustin Pedroia was not the somebody that I was looking for to fix it. I mean, what you've been you've been in the in the room. You've been in the clubhouse. All right. You you've played Major mm-hmm. League Baseball. Is is that a weird situation to have a positional player as smart a positional player as Dustin Pedroia may be? Is that weird for someone like that to discover a pitcher's issue when it comes to looking at film? Yeah, it, uh, it's odd to me. I mean, the catcher is somebody, one position player that would help with mechanics. But to me, it, I understood where it came from because I think Petey, I think David Price was, as far as at-bats versus a pitcher, he was like the third most Petey's ever gone up against. Sabathia yeah. was up there, and I don't even know who the other guys were. So the, he's going back looking at his own film, and it happened to be against David Price. You know, and, and being at second base and watching Price throw the baseball now as a member of the Red Sox, he's going back saying, you know, looking at at-bats and all of a sudden something sort of clicked, you know, because you when you have that many at-bats against a guy, you sort of, you know why it's deceiving. You know, mm. this guy's deceiving because he's throwing across his body. He's always lined up on that right side of the rubber. And then all of a sudden he's on your team and you're watching him and you're going, man, you know what, I faced you on the right side of the rubber. Why are you on the left side? You know, and sometimes a pitcher, and that's why Price, I think, was embarrassed because this is a guy that kind of is a professional. But I think Petey kind of picked up something, looking at his own thing. Now, to me... Price talked about the whole leg kick with the hands. It's Talk- not that. It's not. Well, no, he talked about like the, the string between his knee and his hands. You know, when my hands come up, I want my knee to come up. When my knee comes up, the hands go up. Now, you know, it's, he's still not doing it. His knee's hitting his glove. His knee's hitting his glove. The glove, the glove knee might be coming up, but the glove isn't. Now, listen, he's, he's, he's been good the last two outings. So maybe he feels like he doesn't need to bring his hands up anymore like he used to. I, I don't know. But he's been effective. But it didn't shock me. I mean, it's great to see that Petey would actually mm-hmm. – Kind of be able to pick something like that up, but he's seen him so often. Um, that was nice. It was nice to see. Yeah, and and again, his knees hitting the glove. Yeah, it's to me. It, there's a weird. There's something weird going on with his follow through. His there follow through seems to be it's a recoil. T- well, sometimes there is a yeah. follow through though, and, and that's why I get confused. Sometimes the the left foot does come down and touch. Mm-hmm. Other times he stands upright. And I'm like, I don't know. So is everything maybe just in his head? Maybe he needed that one out against Houston and say, hey, I fixed this. And then he just forgets about it and he has the confidence to go out and throw. Because I look at another guy in this rotation, Rick Porcello. Now, Porcello is what he is. I think he's someone that's going to give you, on a regular, consistent basis, six innings, three to four runs, maybe allow a home run because he can leave that that non-power stuff up in the zone. Yeah. And and that's it. But – I think he's been pitching with so much confidence this year that he just looks like a completely different guy to me. And he, I feel confident in Porcello because of that. Do you think with Price, maybe it just is a confidence thing and something that was in his head, and once he fixed it a little bit, he just stopped thinking about it? Uh, I think he was struggling so much early on that he's trying to figure it out. Mm. And then all of a sudden, when, when, you, when you're struggling and someone gives you an answer, 
and you and you you actually convince yourself that this is the reason. You say, I can't wait to go back on that mound again and try it. And then you have a little success, and you say, you know what? That was it. That was the problem. I'm still the same guy I always thought I was. You know, same thing as a hitter. You can't hit. You can't hit shit. You know, you can't turn on a pitch in, and then you're like, I can't hit a fastball in anymore. Right. And then someone says, well, you know, your hands are, are are a little bit higher than they used to be. So drop the hands back. Look at film. You drop your hands back, you feel freer, and all of a sudden you're confident, going, okay, I'm back. I can turn on anything right now. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, but you, confidence results, which come, comes first, I think that's always the equation. But, no, I think he's, he's been impressive. I, I agree with you with Porcello. To me, he's like six innings, two runs, to seven innings, four runs. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. Yeah. Which, on this team, I think he'll take it. I don't know if he's a, a – I think he's, I, I still think he's like a four-pitcher in the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's a third sure. pitcher. Yeah, sure, But four-pitcher, okay, I'll take it. All right, Stephen Wright on the mound tonight. Red Sox lose last night, but I think you got to get over it. And yeah. as they say, momentum in baseball is good as your next day's starting pitcher. That's good news for the Red Sox because Stephen Wright, what's he have, American League's best ERA? Mm-hmm. There's only four guys in Major League Baseball that have three complete <laughs> games. Okay, it's Stephen Wright, it's Chris Sale, it's – Kershaw. Johnny Cueto and Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, pretty good company. That's pretty good company. Did yeah. you ever think you'd be putting Stephen Wright in that sentence with those three other guys? No, never. So what is this? I mean, is this – because I never feel comfortable with the knuckleballer. Even as good as Wakefield was at times, I just – to me it was a coin flip pitch, and I just never could feel comfortable with it. However, with Stephen Wright, there is something about this 80 to 82-mile-per-hour fastball that I think is pretty incredible for someone who throws well, I, this type I, of knuckleball. I tell you what, he's got a little more than that, too. I've seen him throw 87. He, I mean, he can gas it up. He's, he's got four and a two-seamer, yeah. to be honest with you. So I think he – I've seen him gas that thing up, and I'm with you. You know, like, there was – and it was about after the fourth or fifth start, I was like, you got to start taking this guy serious because you start looking at his career. Mm-hmm. And I think even coming into the year in his starts, you know, it was like – I think he gave up more than five uh, – more than three runs once in, like, 15 career starts at the big leagues. So, I think it can last. You know, uh, do I am I going to feel warm and fuzzy if he's a number two in the postseason or number three? <laughs> Probably not. But I mean, he hasn't done anything right now. I kind of bought in. I jumped on here after about four starts, and I don't think I'm leaving here for a while. I mean, I, th- I think it's legit. You can't. You have to stay on. You have to stay with him uh, because w- what else can you do? He, again, he leads the American League at the RA. That's no fluke. At this point of the season, like there is a large enough sample size here. Mm-hmm. Where I think it's time for even someone like myself who doesn't necessarily take a knuckleball serious or or doesn't feel comfortable in it, he's got some other stuff in his toolbox where I say combine with the numbers and the length of time that we've seen the success, okay, time to take him seriously. But like you said, when you get to the playoffs, if you get to the playoffs, I don't know how comfortable I feel with him as the number two. That's why I sort of look outside the organization at a potential trade, and we'll get to that. Yeah. But another kid I look at is Eduardo Rodriguez mm-hmm. because I think that – if he's completely healthy, he can be an absolute stud. Uh, he's had his fair share of issues. He's going to pitch tomorrow night on Thursday night against Baltimore. His first start was very good. His second start, he let up four hits. They were all home runs. His third start against Minnesota, he was awesome in the first three, three and a half innings. Then I think the pitch count was so high, the fatigue got to him. Someone who's dealing with the lower body. I don't know that I'm going to freak out about that and what happened to mm-hmm. him in that game. I do as bad as Minnesota is, and we saw that in that series. I think Eduardo Rodriguez is someone who's sort of trying to to work back into that yeah. major league baseball shape. If that makes any sense, I know some people might roll no, their does. eyes at that, but but that's what that was in Minnesota, right? Fatigue. People will roll their eyes because they live in the now. Like I, I look at it a little bit differently. That last outing in Minnesota to me was more promising than the previous two mm. because of what you talked about. The first 
three innings, there was another level of Eduardo Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. That was better than anything that we have ever seen. And to me, I almost looked at it like a spring training start. Unfortunately, it's a regular season. Mm -hmm. They still won that ball game. But in spring training, if you go out there with electric stuff for three innings and give it up in the fourth, they sit there and say, you know what, whatever. We're, we're still building. But for three innings, he was dominant. And I think there was a different level of Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, but – if this was April, we would say it's only three starts into the year. You know, give it some time. Let's see what he's like, four, five, six, seven starts into it, and then we'll we'll be able to evaluate him the first week of May or whatever it is, right? But it's not. It's June. So people say, no, no, you should be in mid-season mid form right now. Yeah. And, and, he's, and he's just not. So I, I liked the stuff. I thought it was a different level against Minnesota in than what we saw. the first three innings. No question. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what stands out to me with Eduardo Rodriguez when he was in his A game last year, wasn't tipping his pitches, throwing 95-96. Mm -hmm. He's a power pitcher. He's a big kid from, you know, throws from the left side, throws with his left arm. I mean, I, he's 23 years old. He was one of the top prospects in baseball not too long ago. I think this kid has everything that it takes to be a top-of-the-rotation guy you know, the question is, will it be this year? I, I, maybe the expectations would be too high for me to say, yes, if you get to the playoffs, he's your number two starter. So I do want to see them go outside of the organization and, and bring somebody in. I mean, is there anybody on your radar? Well, yeah. That, the, yeah. Like, are there names? Like, because it is early. There are teams that are still trying to figure out what they are. Like, for example, the Chicago White Sox are a team that's exactly. in town at the end of this homestand. They get off to a, as hot a start as you could get off to. All of a sudden, they're a game under five hundred. They're three, they're three and a half games out of first place, but being a game under 500, given how they started, well, that's a team that's trying to figure I it out. I think they're 8-22 and 22 in the last 30. And we'll look at Chris Sale. Or will we? Maybe they bounce back in the next month. You see, and it, we don't it, look at it. Here's the thing, too, to keep in mind, and we talk about Eduardo Rodriguez, right? Yeah. We do forget that there's a long season left. Mm -hmm. And we have seen guys not been sharp the first half and then lights out the second half, and we'll consider that a very good season. So, you know, we're still in – we haven't sure. even hit – the all-star break yet. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen guys turn it on in July and August and pitch great in September and say, what a great year. I say, man, did you forget about what he looked like in June? What do you mean, what, what do you look like in June? You know, because you just yeah. forget about it because he finished strong. Mm -hmm. So we're still there. I, I want to see them um, not be afraid. I'm not one of these guys that are afraid to trade anybody that anyone knows in the minor leagues because people say, well, you don't want to give up on the future. The future's right now, tonight at 7 o'clock at Fenway Park. Exactly. The future's Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley, Xander Bogarts. Who's got that? Mm -hmm. Who has that? You know, Christian Vasquez is your catcher. I think he'll swing it a little bit better. Missed an entire year. We'll see. Travis Shaw, I think, will turn it around. Eduardo Rodriguez, David Price. You already have your young core. What you need is someone to go with David or go with Eduardo. And then if that's the case... Man, you, you can compete for a World Series in the next four or five years. Exactly. I mean, what do I care what's going to happen 10 years from now? Well, uh, the future, future. The future in baseball is four years. It's not anything beyond that. You have no idea what's going to happen. So if you want to trade Moncada, Benintendi, Devers, Espinosa, whoever the hell you want, as long as you get me that guy, I'll do it all day long. Yeah, I mean, it can't be a rental. No, it's no, gotta no, be no, no. So, there's it's no Chris be a Hill. There's no Rich Hill for that. No. There's no relievers no. for that. No. It's big. It, it needs to be huge. It needs to be a blockbuster. It needs to be somebody that's under control and that you have the potential to re-sign if need be in a year or two. Um, but you're right. I would trade the prospects too. But the problem is you're going to get a lot of people that will look at the success bets. Yep. Bradley yep. Bogots have, and they'll say that's the reason why we don't want to trade these young kids because look at the type of team we could have the next couple of years. And I say, well, I, no, you take that that trio that I just mentioned and you build around them. But at some point, you got to build with pitching. Look, this offense, in my opinion, 
is the most dangerous offense in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. I honestly feel that way. They're going to go through some tough times. And during those tough times, they're going to need pitching. And when you get to the playoffs, you need to pitch to win. I don't care how good your offense is. So to me, trade the prospects. Get the start and pitch it. And to, you know what? The team that I look at, and I look at every single year because they always need offense, are the New York Mets. No question. And they have more pitching than they even know what to do with. They're going to be getting Zach Wheeler back. I mean, I think there's a way where you can get Zach Wheeler maybe even on the cheap. If you want to find a third team to get a bat, I was saying that last year. Dombrowski ended up actually making the move to send Cespedes to the Mets, and he didn't get Wheeler back. And I thought that was weird because— No, he got Fulmer, who's throwing 28 and a third scoreless. <laughs> he wasn't even mentioned in that organization. No. And he's a stud in Detroit. But I thought he was going to get Wheeler— because, A lot of people did, Because yeah. Wheeler was tra- actually traded for Carlos Gomez mm-hmm. a couple days before, and then that deal fell through because the Mets said, oh, Gomez has a hip injury. We don't want to do this anymore. And I just thought, well, the next guy that makes a trade is going to no, See, get- I'm with you. Wheeler's, Wheeler's the guy. Like, Wheeler's a guy. Yeah. Okay? He's one of the guys. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate at all if they want to deal Hanley's ass. You want a bat? Mm-hmm. There you go. We'll figure it out. We'll yep. go. We'll, 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 trading season ain't over yet. You know what? As a matter of fact, give me James Loney in return <laughs> with Wheeler. I'm just saying as a body. Because, quite frankly, the offensive numbers, they might not be far off by the time this year is up with Hanley Ramirez. So, but... Forget about that. You can figure out a corner infielder. You can go out and get one. Yeah. But Wheeler, you're right. I mean, and, and it's a guy that might not be ready till uh, the end of July, right around the trade deadline, maybe even August. But a young, controllable arm mm-hmm. to go with now Price, Wheeler, Rodriguez. Just because he's on the DL, people don't really know who this guy is. Power pitcher. Before he got hurt, he was in the conversation with everybody else they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the thought of, like, not wanting to trade these young players – it's not like the young players, you look at the offense you got in the big leagues, are names of Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Matz, and Wheeler. You know, your young players are Benintendi and Mokata. Great. If they come up here and develop, still, tell me where the pitching's coming from. If you don't use them to go out and get pitching, tell me where it comes from. It ain't coming from free agency, and it sure as hell ain't coming up through the system because Espinosa's down there middle A right now, kind of grinding it out. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you can get this pitching and, for the next three years. And how long did we talk about Henry Owens? Brian Johnson. You know, yeah. I heard so Renato, much. Renato, Workman, oh, De La Rosa, Webster. I heard so much about those guys that, that I thought they were the next best thing in Major League Baseball. And then I see Owens come up to the majors and he's throwing 89. What is that called? No Some soft salad cheese. I with mean, that, <laughs> no control with it whatsoever either. And, and I'm looking at it going, wait a minute. You could have traded this guy a couple years ago in a package for a major player. Like, and you didn't do it. See, to me, you're always going to restock the farm system. Mm-hmm. And in five years from now, there's always going to be somebody that when you look at that list of top Red Sox prospects, there's always going to be someone that's listed number one. And sometimes you might trade away a guy that's a special player. But I think, I shouldn't say I think, I know, I will take the short thing any day of the week over the prospect. And right now, the Red Sox, the short thing that they need is a top-of-the-rotation guy to go along with David Price. Not only that. I think they need some help in the bullpen. Oh, that uh, yeah. I actually think that that's borderline number one priority. I mean, I, I, I look at baseball, like playoff baseball to me, like it, it, the, the starters kind of always, always sort of lose an inning. You know, if you're going to go seven and two-thirds in the regular season, sometimes that's six and two-thirds, and you mm-hmm. need someone to get you out of that jam in the seventh, and then you need the eighth, and then you need the shutdown closer, which I think they have. So to me, you know, you, you, you can hit your way to the postseason – 
And I think that you can – the starting pitching will help you in the postseason, in the playoffs, but you can't win a World Series unless you've got a couple guys in the back end, three guys in the back end that shut things down. Yeah. And we've seen it. I mean, I thought the 13 Tigers were better than the Red Sox. They were better than them. They had better starting pitching. They had a good lineup. You had someone like Workman come in, though. Awful. You had someone like Workman come in that year. Yeah. That playoffs. And, and it was – you know, I don't think Workman gets enough credit for what he did in the playoffs coming out of the pen for the Red Sox. But but it just goes to show you, like, you need you need to have confidence in the guys in the pen. And right now, without Carson Smith, see, the Carson Smith injury to me was huge. And I know we only saw a little it of was. it. was. But his stuff was so good that I'm looking at him going, he's going to be the eighth and inning guy. And you know what guy. the thing he's is? He's the eighth inning guy. We, we, we didn't even see his best stuff because that no. velocity was down. I mean, it was 93 instead of 96. He's dirty. He's filthy. I don't mind that deal one bit. I think that deal will pay off. Mm-hmm. And we'll see Ilias here on the mound Friday. I, you know, we'll see what he does. Yeah. But I think Carson Smith long-term. Because, if listen, if Wade if never should have traded Wade Miley. If Wade uh, Miley's ass who was says here. That? Who said that? When, people, when, when who Carson said that? Smith went down, my Twitter feed lit up uh. with stupid trade. Dombrowski <laughs> lost this one. I'm like, buddy, if, if Wade Miley was still here, you'd be bitching about his ass every uh, freaking Wade night. Wade Miley is such a donkey. He's it's the definition of average. And he gives you innings, which is valuable, but he's not helping you. No. He's not getting you another level, but you're right. Bullpen, uh, um, here's the thing. If you told me you can you can either get an ace and keep the bullpen you have or not get the ace, not get another starting pitcher and beef up your bullpen like two legit arms, I'd rather take the bullpen. You would. I would. I'd rather take the bullpen. And I was just looking at the other day, like the four-man rotation that they've had so far since the um, Joe Kelly buckles debacle oh. in Baltimore. Ugh. So there's been ah. 10 starts. Those four guys have a 3-5 ERA in those 10 starts. And those are the four guys that, <laughs> if push came to shove, you had to throw out there in the World Series on the playoffs, rather. Fine, as long as I can shorten it up because I got a guy that can shut down the sixth. And I can add to Tazawa and Koji, and I don't know if they'll be healthy by then, but I can add another power, couple power arms and shorten the game. I, I, you got a better shot than getting a stud pitcher, I think, with the bullpen you have. And that's only because I don't know if Koji and Taz will be able to Kind of keep up the work mm. workload. I don't know what they're going to be like in September. I have no idea. Bottom line is, I don't, I don't know I don't if you're going to get them. I don't know what they're going to be like if they come out to the mound tonight. Exactly. That, that's the problem with those two guys. And that's why I think the Carson Smith injury is so big because I looked at him to be the everyday, or I should say, most of the time, eighth inning guy, you, the go to eighth inning guy. You, you think about that Detroit series. You remember the. Uh, remember, in 13, 2013. In 13. You yeah. remember like the, the pressure that Tazava was under facing Miguel Cabrera? Mm-hmm. Remember how he struck him out? I think three times in a row in mm-hmm. like the most in the biggest moments of that series. He just had filthy stuff. Who does that? Those guys are not the same guys. No, by the time October later. rolls around, who does that? Mm-hmm. And that's where I say that's what you need. There are some nut cutting times, boy, in that seventh inning of a postseason where you better have someone on there that's got big ones. Yeah. who is locked in, who's got nasty shit. And if you don't got that, you have no chance. I wish Matt Bonds could be that guy because oh. he throws smoke, but it's just. Like that pitch he threw the other the other day, he Kepler, just yeah. puts his head down. You could see his head like go side. He doesn't even look. He just throws it, and it's right over the plate. Um, there's that was no control there. That was disappointing because that was he. So that was sort of like one of the auditions, right, for this high leverage. Mm-hmm. Can he handle seventh, eighth inning, one run game? And he comes in on the road in a tie ball game. What's he do? He walks the first hitter. You know, then he gets it out on a bunt, and then he gets up a laser beam from Dozier, and then an absolute O2 bomb. It's like. Well, that didn't go so well. You know, back down the totem pole. You know, back down the pole. Work your way back up to this leverage spot. Didn't go well. All right. So, overall, this Red Sox team, they will. you believe they will contend 
you know, with this time to make those moves, I think Dombrowski is going to do something mm-hmm. to bring in a big name, whether it's bullpen or rotation. There's going to be a new big name pitcher on this team by the trade deadline, which is August 1st this year because that's a Monday. I believe he'll make that move. Let's say he does. You believe this Red Sox team gets to the playoffs and is a serious contender for a championship? If he does, yes. If he does. Yeah, that's I, the only way? Yeah, I think, I think they need help. You know, and I think they, and you know, you want to sit around and wait. I worry about Blake Swihart's year being over. I know they're sort of downplaying it now, but I know that before. Why do you worry about that? Well, because before he went to see the specialist, I was at Fenway that day, and they thought his season was over. And he went to see the specialist, and they got better news. And they said, you know what, let's try to immobilize it for two weeks before we make any kind of judgment. And my guess on that is just kind of experiencing ankle issues is there were some serious ligament issues with the ankle, Mm -hmm. but maybe it wasn't that serious to where surgery was necessary. So they said, let's demobilize it and see if things can heal. And I think when he comes out of this walking boot another week, I'm afraid of what you're going to hear. So now you got only Brock Holt kind of waiting. And even if Swihart comes back, I still think you need to you need to beef up something. You got to get another another left-handed bat for an outfielder. And depending on what you do in the corner infielders, you might need somebody there. So I think there's there's definitely some help that's needed. See, when I hear Swihart and health, I look at that injury and I am devastated by it. Not because I think Swihart was going to be part of this team this season, mm-hmm. but because I think the only reason he's playing in the outfield is because they're showcasing his offensive ability, telling teams that, look, he still is a catcher by trade, and if you trade for him, he's going to be behind the plate for you. But there aren't many catches around baseball that can hit like this, and I think that was an audition. And I saw some very good signs out of his offense. I mean, that one game, especially where he hits two triples deep to center field, I mean, that just goes to show you what the kid can do with the bat in his hands. So when he gets hurt, I'm going... Oh, no. Trade chip. There goes the trade value. And if he's out for the season, then you're definitely not moving him because he's not going to be behind the plate. It's just just not going to happen. So, to me, losing him is a bigger deal on the trade end of it than it is him producing for this team the rest of the season and sticking with the organization. I completely agree. Because I don't don't see Blake Swihart as your everyday left fielder. No way. You know what I mean? Future with the Red Sox. He's a catcher. And, and I know Vasky right now is, is listen. He's still a young player. I, I love the guy, and I probably went overboard when he first came up. Right? No, but, you didn't. But no, he, but no. he's he's exceptional. Don't let people tell you that because I was high on this kid too, and it's only because. And I'm sure you were hearing some of the same things that I was hearing in the organization about him, which was the whole reason they signed Perzinski a couple of years ago is because they weren't going to give Salty a three-year deal because they knew that Vasquez was going to yeah. be ready by the middle of that year. Well, the reason why is because I almost portrayed it as this guy was like Gold Glove right now. You know, it's gold glove caliber, and what he's doing right now is there are some mistakes. Like any other young player in the league, a young catcher in the league, you know, you go around, whether it's pitch selection, whether it's trying to deal with an ace like David Price and button heads a little bit, or whatever it might be offensively, you know, I don't think you can discount the fact that he missed an entire freaking year. I mean, that <laughs> that hurts. Yep. You know, that is tough. So I still think he can hit 250. You know, right now it doesn't look pretty. But people made it sound like it. Maybe I did, and people took off with it. That there was this kid was never going to make a mistake. Yeah, there there has been games he cost the team a, a few weeks back, a month ago, a couple bad pass balls. Right, I think it was up in Toronto. Yep, that cost him that game. He had a bad game. He's going to have bad games. He's a young player in this league, um, but he's still the future catcher of this organization. Sure, and it's not Blake Swihart. So you're right. When he went down, that's trade value. That's a that's could be a, a good starting pitcher. You might have just lost out on. So uh, just a couple other Red Sox topics. Um, the David Ortiz thing, you know, having a great year, this idea that he would not retire after this season is 
I mean, it's a complete joke. Like, are we done asking David mm-hmm. Ortiz about whether or not he's going to retire? Like, he's retiring, right? This is it for David Ortiz. You know, it, it was this funny. This is it. When he first announced it, I said, I'll believe it when I see it. And throughout the early in the year, I still was like, I'll believe it when I see it. And then you maybe go down there or you just watch him and, and – uh, the legs are killing him. I mean, the feet, the Achilles, the ankle. I mean, it is – now I have an idea that, okay, this is this is something he's not coming back for. You know, this is not mm-hmm. it. This, I mean, this will be it, rather. You know, because I think the body is telling him it's time. This is too hard. And I think now, this time of year, right now, you get off to that great start. So it's like two months at a time. I think the next couple months, Farrell's got to be careful with him. You know, 10-game homestand here. He's still getting his doubles, still getting his hits. I, you know, he's probably going to have a couple days off during this homestand. And people shouldn't bitch about it because if you want him around in September, you better start giving him some days off here this time of year. Yeah, and if you give him days off, you put Hanley as the DH, right? I mean, I assume yeah. Hanley's offense, what's he hitting, 270 right now? Mm-hmm. It isn't you know, it isn't what I think we thought he could be when he first came in, when the Red Sox first acquired him. And that's something I looked at. I said, hey, you know, you got to fix what you're doing at the plate because last year was terrible, and I crushed him at the beginning of the season at spring training when he took the first optional week. But I think I did that also because – he was learning a new position. But I have since basically apologized and eaten my words on this because I never would have expected him to play first base as as well as he's played it. Have there been mistakes? Of course there have been. Like anyone but, else. But I would have told you that by now, by the mm-hmm. middle of June, he would have made 20 errors at first base. So I, I am so surprised as to just how few mistakes he's made given what I had expected it to look like. Well, I would agree defensively. But yeah. as impressed as I am defensively, I'm as frustrated offensively mm-hmm. because I, I don't see a consistent approach. It is mind-boggling. It is frustrating. It is beginning of the year, minimal leg kick. I want to make better contact. Uh, I, I want pitch selection to be better, and this is reasons why I feel better at the plate. And then all of a sudden, it's high leg kick again. You know, the hands are lower. He's bent over. The knees are bent. And I feel like every at-bat, I'm seeing a different Hanley Ramirez in the box. And, and I don't think it's because he's searching for something. I actually think he's just... I, I don't know. I think, I, to be yeah. honest with you, I think just kind of throw my hands up and say, you know, I, I don't know what this guy is doing right now, but it's frustrating to watch. I think he's actually creating problems. Where a guy like Shaw is trying to fix him, the issues that he has, this guy I feel like is just going out creating problems. Because how do you look at video and say, okay, let's look at video and see what you did. Okay, this one here, that's a big leg kick. All right, but well, this one here, Jesus, the leg kick wasn't as bad, but why are you bent over? Mm. Well, this one here, okay, well, 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 you're not bent over as much, but why are your hands low? So, I mean, every single time, you don't have that base to work off of that every video looks the same, and then all of a sudden something changes, and you're like, whoa, what happened there? Like, everything he does is different, and that's tough to pick up some issues you're having offensively. Yeah, so Hanley, will keep an eye on him offensively. He needs to improve, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think you got some of the kids obviously picking up the slack. I mean, I never would have expected Jackie Bradley Jr., no. who had another home run last night, to be swinging the bat the way he's swinging it. He has as much confidence and swagger to the point where it's almost cockiness when he's up at the plate. And I just love to see that from him. You know, Bogots became a superstar last year. I think people forgot about that because we were so wrapped up in Deflategate. Yeah. He became a superstar last year, hitting 320 mm-hmm. and playing great defensive short at short. He's just confirming that superstardom this year. That's what he's doing. He's not becoming a superstar this year. He Mm-mm. did that last year. He's confirming it to people. And, of course, Mookie Betts, uh, you, right now you look at the all-star voting, they very well could have four starters. Yeah. They could have Betts, Bradley starting in the outfield with Trout. And they could have Bogots at short. It's probably going to be Bogots at short. Yep. David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. 
their their starter at DH. Man, your boy Stephen Wright on there too. <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> He's on the All Star game. Right, Ari Dickey started an All Star game, didn't he? You're absolutely right. And and I actually look at Xander and Mookie right now as kind of like baseball card guys, you know. And I just I, I just I know I feel like I know what I'm gonna get, you know. I just I know what I'm gonna get, and and I don't put Jackie in there yet. You know, I think I love what I've seen, and, and I know he's been struggling since the all since the hitting streak, the numbers, but the bats are different than last year when he struggled, right? I mean, last year he wouldn't. He, right now, he might go for four for a couple of games, then he hits a bomb. You know, then he, I think it was in Minnesota where he hit a double and a triple, right? So it's like, all right, so he's doing what everybody else does, right? Mm -hmm. Every couple of games you struggle, but then here it is, Jackie wakes up and starts hitting rockets all over the ballpark. Whereas last year when he went into that slump, it was an automatic out every single time up. So, but I want to see six months from him. And then this time next year, I'll say, okay, you know what? Another two months of a hot start from Jackie. He's at where those other two guys are. But he's not quite there yet as impressive as he is. Well, when they moved him to the leadoff lead spot, and that was the <laughs> night that it broke the streak, I wasn't so upset with the fact. Look, I didn't want to see him moved up to that spot. But at the end of the day, I say, you know what? I don't, I don't ever get too worked up about a hit streak. I'm glad that he had it going this long. It wasn't going to last all season. You don't like to see it end like that. But at the same time, I was, instead of being frustrated at Farrell, and look, I've been frustrated with him this year many times, but instead of being frustrated with that, I was more curious to see how Bradley Jr. would bounce back and if that would shake his confidence. And it didn't. No. And so that was a good sign to me. That something like that, which I think very, very easily could have shaken a kid like that's confidence, didn't. And he bounced back, and he's still, you know, ripping the ball. And you saw that with the home run last night. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Red Sox offense, I'm not concerned about that. We have concerned with the pitching staff still, but we both think that Dombrowski certainly and he has the balls to go out and make some type of move before the trade deadline. But um, just a couple more before I let you go. Yeah. And I, I got to ask you about this because I'm big on numbers and jerseys and retiring and what you do with them. Wade Boggs, they retire number 26. Yeah. What? Did did you think, I mean, what did you think of this? Because I was actually shocked when I'm on WEI on the weekends, and I'm sure you get some of these crazy mm -hmm. calls during the week too. I was shocked to hear people call in and tell me that it's a disgrace that they're retiring 26. I'm like, wait a minute. Are you guys, now Wade Boggs was not my guy. He was not my generation. Mm -hmm. But I know the highlights. I've seen video, and I know the stats, and I know what he did in a Red Sox uniform. 26. They're exactly <laughs> correct to retire yeah, well, that, right? He, he, he was my generation. He was my guy. Yeah. I, mean, I grew up watching this guy. And I, I grew – listen, I, I think the biggest issue that people had was retired numbers for organizations. Like, I don't think anybody questioned he's a Hall of Famer. But I think the retired number up there is more personal. You know, it, it's like – it's more – all right, not only was he a great player, but we had to have loved him. And, and I think there's a lot of people out there that, that didn't really like him personally. Yeah. You know, I don't think the numbers can be ignored. I think the number deserved to be up there. Nothing to do with the fact that I had worn that for a couple of years. And I enjoy going there looking at 26. My kid still thinks it's me. Um, <laughs> so I kind of let that go until he gets a little bit older. I think he's a Hall of Famer. But I understand because a lot of people, you know, once you go to New York and you're on that horse and you're riding around, a lot of people around here, you know us, very vengeful people. We don't forgive. Mm -hmm. We hold the grudge for fucking ever, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, forever. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's where that comes from. Because people say he's selfish. It's a selfish game. It is, it is a selfish individual sport. It's the sport. most individual sport there is. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he, he, and it was a different era. If Wade Boggs was playing now with the on-base percentage of 450 every single freaking year, we'd be raving about what a great hitter he is. But back then, it was selfish. Oh, you can take a walk? Ugh, how dare you get on base and score 110, 20 runs a year? Yeah. Right? So, 
it's just it was a different era, but I think it had more to do personally. A lot of people kind of never really embraced him, I guess. And I don't actually bring that up. Yeah, I wanted to get your take on it with 26, but I don't actually bring that up because of Wade Boggs. It's just, I, I go back to last year, they retired 45, great move. This year, mm-hmm. 26, great move. But every time they retire a number, I just sit there and think to myself, well, I look up, like, where the fuck is number 21? <laughs> what, what, like, what are we doing here? I, I know all the shit that went down, but where's 21? It's not like they're letting anybody wear it. And don't tell me guys haven't wanted to wear 21 in a Red Sox uniform because Rick Porcello was 21. He wears 22 right now. Mm-hmm. And I actually was at Fenway, interviewed Sam Kennedy, Red Sox president, for this podcast a couple weeks ago. And I asked him about that, if they've ever had conversations about 21. And he says, yes, they have. But he sort of points out that Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is a measurement stick. It's not something that has to have that they have to have, but it certainly is something that they use to measure it. I get the sense that combined, let's say he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. The fact that they haven't let anyone wear it, I get the sense that someday they're going to put 21 up there, right? Let me ask you this. Should they put 21 up there? Because I think they should, no questions asked. I think they should too. You know, and I know a lot of people disagree with that, but they're hiding behind the Hall of Fame thing. And I honestly, that's probably the easy answer, right? They're they're sort of hiding behind it. They're using that as an excuse. They haven't given the number away, and they're hiding behind that. And again, I, I go under the category of what he did when he was here. When you talk about the greatest pitchers to ever play for the Boston Red Sox, he's in the conversation. You, you could say Petey's number one, right? Pedro's number one. That's fine. But Roger Clemens is in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But once again, here we go. Back to the Wade Boggs thing. It's a different scenario, but they'll never forgive him for, for not, not just playing with the Yankees, but now it's a steroid thing. And I, and I think it's the saddest thing in the world because Clem comes down to the Paul Park and, and you talk to him and – He's a guy that should be like Pedro. You hear his stories. You hear him talk. He should be around all the time, and I think it's sad. Not that I forgive him. I mean, you know, I'm sitting there saying, I know what he did. I still believe I know what he did. I'm not that naive. But he should still be a guy that through, it's sad that he's not part of it because he's a fun guy to listen to. He's a fun guy to talk to. There's a lot of knowledge there, um, and it, it's sad. I do think someday, yeah, but I think they're going to still wait and hide behind this Hall of Fame thing, and so that, that's their easy way out. But even the steroid thing, you know, you can make the argument that... It wasn't on him while he was here. Right? I mean, that, that, <laughs> that's the argument. And, and the argument, actually, Clemens and, and, you know, his camp have. I actually had Steve August. Do you know Steve yep. August? Former Red Sox Augie, assistant sure. general manager. I had him on the show. And, and, you know, he, was, he defends Clemens every single time. He'll, he'll defend him as much as anybody else will. And, and the main thing that he points out is, well, McNamee accused him of beginning steroids in 1998. And they said the reason was because he was having a downward slide in his career and he needed them to get back up. And their beef is, well, how do you explain 97, his first year in Toronto, when he won a Cy Young? Yeah. How do you explain that? And so so the steroid thing, I think the timeline is still a little shady, but with that said, I, you make the argument that there's nobody accusing him of using steroids in Boston. Right. And his career in a Red Sox uniform just that alone is a Hall of Fame. That's a Hall of Fame resume. Just the Red Sox portion of it. Mm-hmm. Agree? Oh, there's no question. I mean, no, there's no question. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think Barry's a Hall of Famer. I think they both should be in. Yeah. Because I played against, got to play against Barry in 03 in San Diego. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. I have never, ever, from wiffle ball, the bat you're holding right now in the backyard. Yeah, got to, a wiffle ball bat to, in my hands right now. To college, to little league. I, he, he actually looked like that kid in little league that nobody could get out. 
Okay, it was – I don't even know if I saw him swinging a ball in, like, the 11 games we played against him or whatever it was that year. It was off the charts. But as far as Roger goes, it's it's sort of like those guys in the Hall of Fame when you hear current Hall of Famers saying, you know, kind of it would stay in the Hall of Fame. It would be dirty bringing those guys in. This is our Hall of Fame. And I think that's their way of sort of like, you know, the other numbers that are retired, it's like, oh, well, you know, you put up Roger and people are like, oh, that's a guy that cheated. Whether, whether you, you know, we all know the whole story, whatever. Whether, whether he did, whether he didn't, whatever you want to believe. But that's a guy that cheated. I can't believe you put him up there with all those other greats. He should not be up there with Ted Williams. He should not be up there with Yaz. And I think that's something that kind of they're going to have to deal with, I think, the public. Well, they put him in the Red Sox Hall of Fame, didn't they? Sure did. So, I mean, if he's good enough to be in the Red Sox Hall of Fame <laughs> and they're not going to give his number to anybody, put the damn number up there. <laughs> What's going on? I need you. I, Lou, we need, I'm a Clemens guy, okay? I need someone like you to help step up and mm-hmm. let's make this happen. We Roger. need to make this happen. Yeah. I went into Sam Kennedy's office. I was in his kitchen, and I'm like, you better put 21 up there. <laughs> How'd that go over? Uh, no, nah, we had well, a, Sam's a nice we, guy. He probably was like, oh, you know, Dan, I'm working on Yeah, we, sh- <laughs> we, we shoot the shit whenever I go in there. But, um... Yeah, that's, that's how I feel about 21, and I, I always get worked up about numbers, and whenever I see them doing it, I think, well, where's 21? But um, uh, I'll let you go, Lou, because right, I, I appreciate you coming in. I actually, I got to remind you of something, though. What do you got? You know, do you, rem- uh, you obviously do. I think I heard you talking about it today. Five years ago, today, tonight. It's five the, years ago. The Bruins. The five, five years ago. Tonight? Tonight. She's come a the long way, Stanley huh? Stanley Cup hoisted in Vancouver. Wow. Five years ago tonight, Five huh? Five years ago. I know, was it June? Yeah, June. Jesus. How long does that shit drag out for, doesn't it? NBA Finals still going on, but five years ago. How five long before ago. the next one? <laughs> boys going to be all right? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You're I worried? honestly have no idea. I'm worried about the defense. I'm worried about their defensive philosophy. I don't know where they're going. you got to you know, be worried about them they deciding. They Kevin to, Miller. Yeah, to kind of bring back. I'm like, what? Yeah, Kevin Miller, McQuaid. McQuaid last year. What's the difference? Now Miller. I, I, I honestly Shouldn't you have one of them? I, I assume that they are going to get nuts at the draft and maybe trade a couple of these first-round picks to get a with some players to get a proven mm-hmm. top-four defenseman, but I have no idea. But, I mean, with the numbers like, you I got honestly coming don't back, know. you got numbers coming back. It's like you're basically coming back with the same decor, and we all know you can't win with that They're one. not going to win with that. They're I don't not care what you get. I don't care if you get stamped close or not. Mm-hmm. No. They're not, not going to happen. No. So, five years ago, Bruins won ah, the cup. We nice. saw the Penguins win it the other night. You mentioned NBA Finals are going – Actually, one thing real quick. You got it. Celtics, yep. with the NBA in mind. Um, the draft's coming up. They yep. have the number three overall pick. You want Danny Ainge to do what? Well, I want him to, ideally, I want him to trade for it, you know, but sometimes it's just not there. I mean, I, I'd like, uh, obviously, Jimmy Butler. You know, I mean, I think he's kind of like a target you want to go after. I'm done with Durant. I'll put that on hold for a year. He's going back there for next year. And then after that, we can discuss. Because maybe Westbrook leaves, right? If Westbrook leaves, then maybe Durant will leave. Paul George, long shot's not going to happen. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him make that deal with Philly. Okafor. I like Okafor. Okafor doesn't get you Durant, but if you can't get Durant, if you are told that, you go get Okafor. See, I, I, I would yeah. love that move. And because if Okafor stayed in college, he'd be the number one overall pick this year. Yeah, and I don't want Danny to just make every move based on Durant. I see, I do. Well, I'm just, well here's the thing. What happens, you, you, you spend an entire year making moves for Durant, and then you wake up next year, you know, in uh, July 1st, a year from now, whatever, and he signs back with Oki City, then what? You just sit in your room, shut the door in the shades, and cry? Wait, do you think he's signing a one-year deal? Well, he's going to sign a three-year deal with an opt-out, right? Something like that. I think that's this what everybody... Year? Yeah. Well, because... Yeah, because he needs... The, it's the following year where the salary goes salary, nuts. Salary, yeah. So he's going to do a LeBron thing. He's uh-huh. going to sign a three-year deal. 
uh, opt out after one year, and then he's, maybe he's either going to resign there, or he's going to go elsewhere. I think he's leaving. I think he's a business this guy. Yes, I think he's. Ooh. I think he's gone. I think he's gone. I think he's a businessman. I've heard words come out of his mouth. I think he wants the big city. I think he wouldn't mind being in the Eastern Conference. And I think if I'm Danny Ainge, here's what I want him to do. And it's not a popular decision. I want him to package some crazy deal in which they land Demarcus Cousins because I think you get Kevin Durant thinking. I could play with the 25, 26-year-old stud who puts up 25 and 12, play for that coach, play for this organization, play in this building every night that I, I raved about last year when I stepped foot in it in February, and a regular season game with a playoff-type atmosphere is louder than my building when we were in the Western Conference Finals. I think you get all of that going. You have a serious conversation with Kevin Durant. Yeah. You're in the mix. So that's what I want. See, you I'm know what? You. If they make that type of move and they don't end up getting Durant, you still got DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm not concerned about all the, the, the bullshit that comes along with him because I think that changes when he's with a team that wins. And I think if the mm-hmm. Celtics get Cousins, they win some more games. Yeah, I'm with you with Cousins. I know a lot of people disagree. So, I, no, I'm with you 100%. Because I do think, imagine going to work. Imagine being drafted by the Kings. And then every single year, you go uh, to camp knowing you're going to suck. Eight games in. Eight games in, the season's over. night, you show up knowing you're going to suck. And it's a you know the ownership and the new you know what was it the report the other day that like they were told at the All Star break that George Carl was going to be fired and they came in the next day and you're still there yeah and people bitching about Demarcus Cousins calling him the coach killer well you know when my GM's telling me my coach is gone you know and he's still here why the hell should I believe anything this coach tells me so yeah get him with a stable organization and and I know maybe not the veteran lineup uh, roster at the Celtics that people think can keep him under control but get him with a team that expects to win. And I think you see a different attitude. Or at least I hope. Oh, you know what? I'm more willing to take the risk. Yeah, me too. I hope it Let's happens. see if they are. Hope it happens. Uh, Lou Merloni. Here yeah, I'm Danny. on WEI 93.7 FM every weekday from 10 a.m. to 2 in the afternoon. Also can be seen on Comcast Sportsnet New England. I need some more shifts on sports tonight. Can you give me a, give me in there a little bit I'm more? I'm on my way over there right, right now. Give me in there a little I'll, bit more. I'll, 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 you know, I'll because take care of you. know what area. happens? I get, I get in there a couple times in a row, yeah. and I, feel, I start to feel comfortable, yeah. and then I get like a two-month layoff, and then I go back again, and I have to sort of get, I have to sort of reset and get comfortable again. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, I, I personally think that they should put some cameras in here, and we could do the Pick and Lou podcast maybe one day a week and put it on TV. On Comcast. Maybe I we think could do they that. should do they that. They have anything going on midday. I think that's what Slide they should Slide that in. Do. Yeah, I think they should. we should toss that in. Well, you know, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go. I'm wa- <laughs> the minute I walk in, I'm storming in some rooms. Storming the room. Yeah, that's it. You tell you tell <laughs> my boy, Bill, tell Bill Bridgen. Me, me, him, yeah. me and him are tight. Yeah. We're tight. You are? Yeah, we're tight. You got to look uh, alike a little bit. You know, you tell him that um, this is a this would be a sick setup to put a camera in here at Beantown Athletics. Couple cameras. We got the split screen simulcast. We got a producer in here putting up some video, fo- you know, on, during the show. We get some guests in studio. Pick and Lou podcast once a week. Throw it on TV. Why not? I'll sell it to him. I'll sell it. You could do both, right? You got the radio show, but we could film this, record this, whatever. Yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah. Done. Done early. Absolutely. We can figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right, Lou. Thanks right, a lot. Um, hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, right? buddy. Absolutely, man. All right. See you.